Hey everyone, welcome to Business Christmas. I'm Nicole. And I'm Kat. And we're coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, where we just watched North Pole open for Christmas. One of the more ridiculous movies I think we've ever watched. Oh my god. Um, but we also have a special guest with us today. Our friend Jorn has joined us. Hello. He is uh, fairly new to this genre, uh, and we thought he would be a fun guest to have because we thought he would enjoy the awfulness of this movie as much as we would. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. Why don't you give us a few opening thoughts about... How, how did it make you feel? How did you enjoy the experience? Uh, it was definitely very enjoyable. I would say uh, the the tropes seemed not always predictable. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. Interesting. That's good. Yeah. So, so I guess we'll dive right in and, you know, maybe up front, you know, in the description, we were aware that there was an elf featuring prominently in this movie. Um, but it really went hard on the Christmas. It actually really annoyed the shit out of me. Like it was, um, (laughs) this movie was just like too Christmassy for me. So as a person who has a Christmas podcast, I know, but it's, (laughs) it's like the movies we tend to go for, like we tend to watch, have a little bit of Christmas magic in them. Sometimes there's a Santa esque character, but like usually it's a realistic, Lot and this was not. It, was I absurd. mean, which we should have known up front. Yeah, there's an elf like on the cover yeah. image, etc. But it was definitely Christmas forward. Christmas forward. Christmas forward. <laughs> definitely next gen Christmas. <laughs> so it opens with um, the the elf that uh, the aforementioned elf walking through this like winter wonderland that didn't make a lot of sense. It had a lot of lights and there was this like river running through it. And we it's, were like, it's a sort of a Venice yeah. setup. Yeah. It felt like Venice completely like all these canals and bridges over them. Um, None of them frozen at the North no, pole, but that's the magic of the North pole. But I've never really seen the North pole depicted with like magic canals running through it. Although I haven't either. Venice is a very magical place. So maybe they were trying to draw. Maybe the screenwriter was in Venice when they had the idea for this film. Could be. Could be. I would say normally the North Pole Santa thing is depicted as like one structure that Santa and elves live in and work in. It's This was like a whole city. Yeah, it was. was. I'd never seen that before. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, there was more than just Santa's workshop. Um, But we do meet this character, this elf uh, named Clementine, as she's on her way to work as an intern in one of Santa's workshops. Um, And she, like, solves a problem right away, and everyone's like, oh, interns are so great, and, like, usually people don't (laughs) do such a great job. You're really amazing. Should we pay them? Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a whole question of slave labor involved with elves in the first place. So we can go there if you want, but I think we've got a lot to unpack. Um, Also, her response to that was, a problem is just a snowball waiting for a target, which I don't think actually makes sense the more I think about it. It does not. Yeah. It does not. Um, Yeah. So then, like, Santa comes and finds her after work to tell her she did a great job. And he's, like, kind of creepy and invites her back to his office. And if, we all felt a little uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I was thinking hashtag me too right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And so she goes back to his office and we find out then that there's like all of these points of magic around the globe that power Santa's sleigh because once he gets farther away from the North Pole, he loses power. And he wants to send the elf. <laughs> I'm just sitting here shaking my head because this entire premise just annoys the shit out of me. Also, the part where she was like talking about Santa's frequent flyer miles. And I was like, what Delta status is he? <laughs> also, like, he doesn't. He flies one day out of the year. Right, exactly. So this is my question. How many miles does he fly on Christmas Eve? And is, is it, it enough, enough to, to get qualify? into, like, what is the diamond status? Diamond is on Delta the, is... Is that the highest? Or, yeah. Yeah. Diamond on Delta is high. I'm a big Delta <laughs> snob. Yeah. Um, and diamond is 125,000 miles, which I get, but yeah. I don't know that he mm-hmm. would get that. Um, we'll see. We'll do the math later. Um, so yeah, so, so basically he needs to send, uh, Clementine on this mission to go to a very specific inn in Vermont where the power is running out. And if she doesn't get the magic restored at this inn by Christmas, then, um, he won't be able to fly. And yep. Christmas will be over, um, which is pretty. <laughs> like, this movie is actually a good argument for that. Frankly, just ending Christmas, <laughs> but it's like also like why are you sending this like fifteen year old intern to go save Christmas? Like you've got all the magical powers in the world. It doesn't make a lot of it's sense. Stupid. And a very important <laughs> note to bring up now because I will reference it later is she asks like what does the person running the inn know like does she know that it's this magic place mm-hmm. and he's like no and she says okay what what am I allowed to tell her and he says nothing <laughs> so she's like all right so she's gonna go to Vermont mm-hmm. um anything else on uh Nope. Uh, I wrote overworked interns, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> again, we, I, you're we like can... making this woman, like this girl. Yeah. Travel on her own. And by the way, she is 15 or at least that's the age of the actress, but she looks 15. Yeah. I guess they reference later that the elves don't really have an age, but yeah, whatever. She's well, still an intern. So she's clearly like not an adult. Right. Yeah. At one point they said age is not a number. Right. Age is just a number. Oh right. my god. Yeah. Did R. Kelly write this screenplay? Yeah. Like, oh god. Ew. That's oh god. exactly what I thought of. Yeah. Um, like, tell that to Aaliyah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think then we meet Lori Laughlin. Is that right? Yeah. So, her name is Mackenzie. Yes. Um, I said Lori Laughlin is the best aging person on the planet. She always looks great. She looks amazing. I think she just takes really good care of herself and does a lot of yoga. But as you mentioned, she is starting to look kind of like, or maybe Candace Cameron is starting to look like her. They just have started to look the same. same Plastic surgeons or estheticians or whatever. When they smile particularly, Mm. like, Mm. I don't know. Just a theory, just, you know, throwing that out there. It seems like they maybe have the same regimen, whether that's, you know, yeah. uh, plastic surgery or yoga. I, I really <laughs> do. No, I think she, like, does a lot of... I think she's, like, actually just a very, like, clean living, like, healthy person. Yeah, that's fair. Either way, whatever she's doing is working. And she's she married good. to, um... She's married to Massimo, the guy who used to make that... Did you ever wear the that clothing, clothing line? line? They actually sell it at yeah, Target now. Yeah, course. yeah. So that's Lori Loughlin's husband. 
Like he runs that? Yeah, he started it. Oh, wow. Is that his name? Yeah, his name is Massimo Italian last name. He's like some Italian wow. designer. Yeah. Nice, good for her. Yeah. I guess that keeps you young. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Sounds all the yeah, bread I mean, and pasta. You gotta fit into those teeny tiny oh, clothes yeah, that serious. he makes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet her looking great as she's appraising art in this old house with these old people and she comes across as fairly heartless and she's trying to get them to part with their belongings so she can sell them and oh you can buy a new kitchen in Boca kind of thing so we established right away that she's not sentimental and she's very business minded and doesn't really care about their feelings yeah I wrote that she is a weird antique KonMari yes yes like she's like the KonMari method but with antiques Mm. Well, and what I thought was was interesting is they, like, set her up to be kind of heartless. But in the end, it was, like, clear that those people were trying to move to Boca. So yeah. she was, like, trying to help them. And the next scene, she they show her going to work. And there's one of the Salvation Army Santas outside of her office. And she's bringing him coffee. So you know that she's actually a good she's person. She's very business, but also, like, a little bit Christmas. Like underneath all the business, yeah. yeah. You know she's <laughs> um, a good person. Do you do you rate the stars by like independent metrics of like oh, zero really, to ten for we business? Should, like, and we should have a matrix. System. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christmas <laughs> on one end. What's that? What are the quadrants? It's well, like, but also <laughs> they, like, they they usually start out in one quadrant at the beginning yeah, of the movie and end up it's like yeah. low business, low Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> High business, low Christmas. And I'd like you go, to, you go from like high business, low Christmas to like low business, high Christmas. Yeah, I think that we need to we need workshop to this. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. good call, George. Um, so so we get this scene of her at work with her boss. And Let's talk about her. What she's wearing? She looks so please. cute. Go ahead. She like strolls into the office in these amazing like like knee high heeled boots and like a really cute black coat. And, like, she just, I don't know, I don't look that cute and chic in winter. I don't know about you guys. I know. I wish I did. Jordan's like, I don't care. (laughs) He's like, I wear a sweatshirt. Maybe, like, made me wish I I wear something that makes me look like the Michelin Man. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's, like, pretty standard. Well, she looked better than all of us then. She did. Um, Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Um... But we find we find out in this conversation between her and her boss that she has no Christmas plans. She's just going to be appraising stuff. She, you know, her job is these appraisals of different antiques. So fun. And so she and she, she needs even, to be ready. Doesn't even think about Christmas. Really. Yeah, she just got to be ready for the New Year auction or something. And that that was pretty much my takeaway from that. The conversation with the boss. Yeah. Um, Okay, so can we talk about the the closed captioning on that scene, though? Yes, please. Okay, so we we watched this movie with closed captions, and we at this point, like, we were meeting her boss for the first time, and the boss laughs, and she's a black woman, and instead of the captioning reading, like, her name, like, Taylor, which we later learned, Taylor chuckles, it's just this... Black woman chuckling. <laughs> and this becomes a little more interesting later on. So, but yeah, yeah but that was kind of absurd. Yeah, um, oh, also she's weird. number one in the, she number one in there. She's like the number one antique uh, appraiser, appraiser or yeah. Is. yeah, she's um, the best at a company or just their office, maybe just their office. I have no idea. And where do they live? I have no is idea. It New York? It's unclear. It's a city. So it, maybe it's Boston? 
I don't think they ever say she's not really there and no, then it's true. like over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There she's in a city, definitely not in the country, not in a small town. Let's just say it's a city without canals. Yeah. <laughs> it's a city without canals. Well okay. said, well said. Um so she goes back to her house. And she makes herself a little microwavable meal, so you know she's, like, alone and sad. <laughs> sad single lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, so true, though. Um, and then this Well, little... it's because she's so businessy, she doesn't have time for a person in her life. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. None or of us cooking. know what that means. She's yeah. way too busy, busy to cook. No, so am I. Too businessy to cook. Yeah. No, you're too lazy to cook. There's oh, that's difference. what it is. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> Um, and then the lawyer comes by. Yeah, the lawyer shows up, like, kind of unannounced, right? Like He's he unannounced, wasn't... and he explains that he's, like, the guy that's been managing her aunt, her dead aunt's affairs, yeah. and she's like, well, my aunt died, like, a, a year ago, and he's like, yeah, we're just still getting to the end of the paperwork on everything, and we find, oh, first of all, his name is Mr. Elfman. Oh, Yes. So Jorn realizes right away, like, elf man, uh-huh. <laughs> and they actually say that line, late, like, at the end of the yeah. movie, so you know he's an elf. Um, they don't like to leave anything, like, just implied. Yeah. No, every... It's very heavy-handed. Everything in this movie was very heavy-handed. Like, please let me hit you over the head with this as hard <laughs> as I can. Um, so... So he starts talking about this inn that her aunt owns in Vermont. And um, she says she loved the place. She remembers going there for Christmas every year. And she just loves it so much. And he basically slips her a brochure for the inn. (laughs) And is like, it's yours now. And I just don't know why he's carrying around, like, the marketing brochures of the inn. And also, like, she's already said she remembers it and knows it. She's aware of it. They need to see, like, your marketing (laughs) jargon about it right uh, it was a very weird thing. need to be sold on owning something that has been where the ownership has been forced upon her already right <laughs> like i could see him maybe passing her like the will so she could look at it right. or some papers to sign but no he's like here's the marketing brochure for That's the really inn funny. um so he he leaves oh and, wait one thing oh, one yeah. more thing that we learned about her in that scene so he calls her out for having all these boxes around the house and he's like, oh, did you just move in? And she's like, no, I've been here for over a year, but I've moved six times in the past eight years. Yeah. So she apparently moves constantly for, I don't know if we find this out then or later, but she moves constantly for work, mm-hmm. which makes no fucking sense given what her job is. Right. You could just go on a business trip and appraise right. stuff and come back. Yeah. And I think that's how most antique appraisers do it right or if they even bring the items to you in your right. appraisal house yeah or whatever like the antiques roadshow that's not what that i actually goes thinking, on the sure, road, right? sure sure <laughs> it's mobile is what we're even saying if you're on the if even if you're a host of the antiques roadshow you like have a house somewhere that you return home to when you're not correct antiques roadshowing things and going back to the like where does she live situation like how many cities could she actually be going to that have a big enough appraisal business for her to physically move there yeah and like is she it's not like she's some super like hyper specialized 
Not that they tell that, us. No, they yeah. didn't tell. There was no exposition around that. So, um, but anyway, so she looks in one of the boxes after the guy leaves yeah. and finds a photo of herself with her aunt. Um, sorry, Jordan, were you going to say something? I was going to say, it sounded like they were trying to give her a life like uh, George Clooney and Up in the Air. Yes. Yeah, but, but without, it, without the consulting work that made sense. Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense for her to even have a house if she's traveling that much. Like, just yeah. rent a place. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, so, yeah, so she looks at this photo of her and her aunt, and she's like, okay, well, I guess I'll go, like, look at the place and, you know, go find the realtor in town and take care of it. Um, but basically, her plan is, like, she's just going to sell it and go on with the rest of her life. So then she goes up to Vermont. And so she her first stop off the plane is to knock on the door of a realtor in town. She doesn't, like, make an appointment or anything, <laughs> which is a small-town thing, I guess. She just, like, walks in and tries to find the guy. And um, she walks in, and under the desk fixing stuff is Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> and they have this total meet cute where he's like fixing the desk and she finds out that he's not actually the realtor and then the realtor comes in and they have this like weird conversation between the three of them with Dermot Mulroney still under the desk and he asks for an Allen ranch she hands it to him and he's like (laughs) so fucking impressed that she knows what the Allen ranch is it's like she look she probably had some Ikea furniture at some point like like I don't really think that's that impressive. It really isn't. Um, And then she goes and gives, like, the whole history of the Allen wrench, too. And she's like, it was made by so-and-so Allen. And this patent. And he, like, she knew the whole backstory. That makes no sense, by the way. It was, like, trying to tie it into her appraiser background. Oh, is that why? Yes. Okay. But it didn't really make any sense. Sense because I'm just not sure that like she's, the Allen wrench is treated the same way as like a Ming vase. Or she's something. like appraising like, Allen wrenches <laughs> from the 19th century. <laughs> I kind of felt like she was just being like brainy Smurf right then. She's like, "Well, actually, this is made in this year." Aren't yeah, you, aren't you glad I told you now? No one likes to know it all, Jordan. No. I'm no. trying to come up with like a clever portmanteau for like Allen wrench and mansplain right now. <laughs> <laughs> Allen explain isn't really working, so no. um, I'll get back to you guys on that one. Um, cool. So basically she, the, the brother, so we find out later that they're brothers, the realtor and and Dermot Mulroney and the realtor basically says like, I have a buyer who will buy it right now as is. Um, and Dermot Mulroney is like trying to get her to like keep it cause he loves the inn or at least like fix it up and it'll be worth more when she sells it if she can fix it up. Um, and so she said she kind of realizes she wants to go take a look at the place first and see what kind of situation it's in. Mm-hmm. So she leaves the. Let's start with the fact that Dermot Mulroney was like coming at her super hard in this entire scene. He was, he was, and I was about to follow that okay. up with he follows her out. He follows her out the front door, <laughs> and he's like, "Let me walk you to your her, to your car." And she appropriately is like, "Dude, my car is right there." Like yeah, she's like, "It's ten feet away." Yeah. And he's like, well, we'll walk slow then. And then (laughs) he asks her if it's Miss Warren or Mrs. Warren. And, like, (laughs) she's like, are you trying to ask if I'm married? And But she was way nicer about it than my tone of voice. I would have been like, excuse me, sir, this is not your business. 
I don't know if it was Dermot Mulroney, uh, though. Yeah. yeah, which is why she was like, it's Miss. Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess. She, she wasn't going to scare him away. She's into him, but she's pretending she's not. He's just, she's like, afraid. laying it on really thick for only having met her ten seconds it's ago. It's true. It was, like, too much for me. That kind of thing freaks... That, that it does signals to me that you there's are... There's something wrong with you. Crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you're going to, like, stalk me and rape me and murder me later. Yeah, that's probably true. But also it's Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I haven't been, like, harassed by Dermot Mulroney before. (laughs) I haven't had Dermot Mulroney come at me super hard, so (laughs) let me experience that, and then I'll get back to you I'll let you guys know. Um, And so she goes to the inn, and everything is broken. Like, the handrail's broken as she's walking up, and the light goes out as she gets to the top kind of thing, and... So she gets into the hotel, and then we meet this character, Wilson, who's kind of like a caretaker of the place. Mm-hmm. And she um, knew him when she was younger. And yeah. She doesn't immediately recognize him, but then she realizes who he is. Yeah. And so he was, like, you know, working for her aunt all these years, helping keep up the inn. And then Betty comes in in the ugliest Christmas sweater I've ever <laughs> seen someone try to wear with a straight face. Until you see her later Christmas sweaters. Oh my god. It's <laughs> awful. They are terrible. And Betty is the cook. She's kind of. yeah. So she also works at the inn. Um and they're like the only two employees left. Yeah, and she was like, Where's the rest of the staff? Like, it's just the two of us. Yeah. And there were no guests. Like like Lori is the only guest in the whole place and she's not really the guest because she's the owner now. I kind of felt like the two of them were like We've banged in every room here. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, they've got to be bored. So. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then I have the elf landing. Is there anything else um, she arrives? The only thing I said was that I like how... Um, what's her name? Oh, Mackenzie is Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like how... I like Mackenzie's... Jillian Anderson and the fall look. I don't know if you guys saw the fall. You probably didn't see the fall because it's scary. It's super scary. Um, But like every episode of the fall, Jillian Anderson is wearing like a silk button down and like tailored pants. And that was what Lori Loughlin wore like this entire movie. Yeah. It really worked for her though. It was a great look. It worked on Jillian Anderson too. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was into the, I was into her fashion. She had great, yeah, it was great. But yeah, then we go to the elf. Okay. Do you have something else? Uh, the next thing I have is when she's in the silk pajamas. That was like... I think that's coming after. Oh, uh, maybe that's next. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. Um, uh, okay. I think that's first. I think the silk pajamas is first. Because mm. she saw the hotel and then she's going to her room. Of course, she changes. Oh, I wrote into... Randy with three question marks. Yeah, but that's, that's next. next. Yeah, I have that. Oh, right okay. After. She yeah. goes into the room. We see the silk pajamas. They're very important in that I now want to purchase some. Yes. <laughs> Still making the point that the wardrobe was that was the well importance done. of that plot point. Yeah. yeah. She travels with silk pajamas. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't fault her. I mean, they look comfortable. Look. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think then, I would just fall out of a bed. Just slide right out. Maybe. I mean, well, it depends on what the sheet situation is, too. Mm, fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Clementine the Elf lands, and she's got, she's got a one reindeer sleigh with this reindeer named Randy. <laughs> I would have missed that if Jordan hadn't said anything while we were watching. You're like, wait, the reindeer's name is Randy? <laughs> 
Um, and so she shows up and she, she comes into the inn and she meets Wilson who immediately seems to know her, appears to know her. Um, and she goes up to her room and then she apparently needs to let Santa know that she's arrived and she's on her mission. So you explain it. I, I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> so she just had a little carry on bag. It was not very big. And she opens it up and pulls out this gigantic microphone. <laughs> I think it's sort of candy cane colored. Yep. And it's like she's an air traffic controller with this thing. Yes. You know? Yes. And there's, it's like cordless. It kind of looks like a giant bong. It, there, there's some yeah, bong similarities. Yeah. A giant Christmas-themed bong, but it's actually like <laughs> a means of communicating with the people. Yeah. But what, what, what I don't understand is, like, why can't she just call him, like, a regular person? I mean, I know she's an elf, not a regular person, but just pick up the phone. Right. Yeah, cellular technology probably reaches the North Pole. And it, I mean, what, or magic. Right? I mean... Uh, you're using magic to con- to connect with him anyway. But yet she's so... using this really enormous, <laughs> yeah. heavy-looking, old-timey device to, to... And she goes, Santa, I'm in. And that was it. That was the entire communication. Yes. <laughs> um, the director just wanted some little spy elements in the movie. This yeah. is the closest it could get. I yeah. guess so. Yeah, there's a walkie-talkie later, so maybe that makes sense. Um, so then at breakfast the next morning, um, uh, Clementine and Mackenzie meet, and Clementine's introduced as Wilson's grandniece. Um, and all of a sudden the music comes on, and we find out that Dermot Mulroney's been fixing the sound system uh, in the oh, ballroom. Yeah. So, so Mackenzie goes off to like see what's going on, and he's fixing the sound system and we find out he's like, Oh, I just like to fix things up around the house. I've always helped out <laughs> your aunt and my contractors out front. Oh yeah. He said snow off the porch or something. He was like, he was telling her that he and her aunt used to be really good friends. Yeah. But the way he said it, it just <laughs> sounded like he used to bang her aunt. Yeah. <laughs> they probably also had sex at every hotel room. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so he keeps mentioning this contractor that he's got who's doing some work and then in rents <laughs> his eight-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And that was his contractor. He was just being, like, cute and cheeky about it. And we find out he, he again, laying it on pretty thick is like, I'm a single dad. So yeah. Just so, we, so there's no question. And then it logically follows our assumption after that was the mom is dead. Right. Because it's a Hallmark movie. And it's way more Christmassy to have someone have a dead mom than a divorced parent. (laughs) Yes, although later we find out that Um, Mackenzie's mom wasn't around growing up, and that was not a deceased issue, so I don't know. But generally speaking, the man has tragically lost a wife. Yep. So so the eight-year-old immediately starts interrogating Mackenzie and deduces that she has commitment problems, Mm -hmm. which she does, but she's entitled to them. Yeah, that was some very adult grilling. It was. She's like, do you have any pets? Do you have any plants? She called her out for having a leased car. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, somehow out of that, she decides that she's going to fix up the inn for sale instead of just selling the property as is. Yes. I don't know if you guys had anything else happening around there. Uh, 
I did want to make a comment about something that happened just a little bit before that. Go for it. Uh, when Clementine and Mackenzie are first talking, she tries to figure out where uh, Clementine is from. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, up north. But Mackenzie doesn't want to let it go. She's like, well, where up north? Canada? She's like, Canada adjacent. Oh, oh yeah. And then she stopped questioning. Like, yeah. Greenland? Yeah. yeah like there where? aren't a lot of options once you've yeah. said Canada adjacent. <laughs> Russia? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alaska? Yeah. Like, who would just stop interrogating at that point? Right. And Canada. in one of these movies. Yeah, and she could have said something more vague of like, yeah, around there, you know. Instead, she says Canada adjacent. So, yeah. So, um, so she decides she's going to fix up the inn for sale, and uh, uh, Clementine basically says like, oh, I'll help you. Can mm-hmm. I shadow you on this project mm-hmm. and whatever, and, and help you? And so they kind of start like taking inventory of everything that's broken around the inn. Um, and then at some point they go into town. I don't remember why. Oh, well, they were going to buy some trees. Okay. They were talking about how they needed a whole bunch of Christmas trees. Well, yeah. so was that what they went in town for then? Potentially. I don't remember why they went. So they also, before they go into town, she asks, um, Wilson for Ian's number. Oh, that's why they go into town. Yeah, to go find Ian. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, so they ask for Ian's number, and then Wilson's like, oh, he doesn't answer his phone. Yeah, Ian is, is Dermot Mulroney. I'm not oh, sure yeah, that we sorry. actually yeah. said that. We'll, we'll call him Ian maybe once more. <laughs> Dermot Mulroney, or Dylan McDermott at least 15 more times. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so Wilson basically is trying to set them up. And I think everybody is trying to set them up. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Wilson is laying it on the thickest, though, I think. And he's sort of, so he's like, oh, he won't answer his phone. You should just go to his workshop. So that's why they go into town. And they did talk about Christmas trees, though. You're right. And so they go into town, and they're just sort of walking through and talking to different people. And then this guy comes up who's like, you want a sample of some baked goods? <laughs> and, like, he had a tray of muffins. Yeah. Like, full-size muffins. Yeah, not yeah. chopped up into, like, sample sizes. And uh, Clementine just takes a full muffin and starts <laughs> eating it. <laughs> and they kind of... So he's younger, and they kind of start flirting. So Mackenzie takes the hint and keeps on walking, and she's like, I'll, I'll catch up with you. And... Then they have this, like, whole conversation where they both realize that they're elves. Yeah, and then they use the word Dazzy, which is apparently the elf code word. Yeah. Yeah, it's street slang in the North Pole. Yeah, they were both wearing similar hats that covered their elf ears, and that's kind of how they figured it out. Yeah. And then they, like, I like your hat. It's so Dazzy. Oh, God. Uh, another thing that happened right then is the subtitle said that Mackenzie chuckled. Oh, oh yeah. During, so during it's interesting who gets names in the captions mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, like mostly black the white people. Chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. and uh, we'll get to it later. But <laughs> someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they kind of flirt as they realize they're both elves, and Mackenzie ends up going to Ian's workshop, 
and they realized there too that Wilson had set this whole thing up for them to meet and Wilson like calls Ian in that moment and he's like yeah she's here okay oh yeah he does answer the phone call from Wilson right even though he doesn't really answer phone calls right which led me to wonder does he really not answer phone calls except he did that one on purpose or does he answer them and Wilson was just lying the whole time to try to get her out there in person I wasn't sure um but she she loves the workshop and thinks he has like cool things in there uh and then the next thing I know they're back at the end fixing things up I don't know if you guys have um yeah the next thing I have is about when they're fixing things up yeah, I ha- I wrote stack of mahogany. He said something about a stack oh, of mahogany, but she, I don't know what that is. She asked how... <laughs> how that was a weird phrase. She asked for, like, how to repay him, like, what what his fee was. Oh. And he goes, oh, there's a nice stack of mahogany in the basement of the inn that I'm interested in. <laughs> I you mean, know, he is, Wait, he, you don't just collect rare, random mahogany pieces to keep in your basement? No, I, I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, I can see him wanting it. I don't know why there was random mahogany. In the no, basement, that's yeah, that's. Why. But yeah. I could see him wanting it, totally. and you know he is you a handyman. Turn it into something cool. Yeah. Um. So they they go back to the inn with uh, the the daughter and uh, Clementine, and they all kind of get together for a powwow to talk about how they're going to fix up everything. And so people go off to different rooms to do different tasks. And the kids fix up the game room. Kids meeting Clementine the Elf and um, Jeremy Mulroney's daughter, Oh, but we also Jenny. had the 20 Christmas tree thing before that, too, right? Oh, I, I wrote twenty. I, I wrote that before the game room. Okay. Oh, I think it was before they all split off. Yeah. And he was saying, oh, we got another, like, 18 trees out here. Oh, yeah. And she was like, but wait, this is two. I thought we asked for two trees. But it was actually two and then a smiley face. And right. It looked like As like everyone always does. Person. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, a weird plot point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> but, like, it's fine because everyone except Lori Loughlin loves Christmas trees, so. Yeah. Well, and, and she, li- she came around on them. There were plot points previously where she only had plastic. Christmas trees. So this was a step oh, up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. We forgot about that. Um, um, so the uh, and one thing is uh, when Clementine was like decorating with the little girl, she was she said, uh, "This kid's in the snow zone." Oh my oh, god, yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the the North Pole puns were pretty severe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they clean up the room together, and it's specifically the game room. And then Mackenzie comes in to check on in on their progress, and the room looks great, even though they had thrown a bunch of junk in the closet. And the daughter just lays it on super thick then that basically she, like, also... Like, basically everyone this entire movie is trying to get Lori and Dermot together, yes. including him. And, like, yes. and his eight-year-old daughter is, like, yeah. in on the whole thing, too. Can you imagine if you, like, went to this town and the entire ha- town is harassing you to date this dude? I would run away. <laughs> this is actually a horror movie. <laughs> it's a movie about a stalker who is enabled by everyone else in the municipality in which he resides. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I feel like this is a common theme in romantic movies. That's true. That's actually yeah. true. Yeah. 
True. Okay. So then she... One woman's quest to say no and one town's <laughs> quest to convince her to change. Oh, God. <laughs> she just got dark. So, um... Is this where we, this is where we get a better understanding of the snowflake ornament? Maybe. I had us learning about the ribbon game. Mm, okay, go ahead. Oh. I didn't write down the first appearance of the ribbon game, so I I don't know where it is in my notes, but um, I wrote, this movie is way too Christmas for me. Um, I think that was when the snow zone <laughs> comment was made that I wrote that. <laughs> and then the elf magic, where when, every, when everyone except Wilson steps out of the room, she turns the walls into stripes. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. She she stirred the she paint can with her Clementine. candy cane. Yeah, yeah. She stirred the paint can with a with a hint with a candy cane, and then like zapped the walls with it, and then they turned striped. But was that before or after? I don't know that it matters. Okay. <laughs> um, but what, I think while we're talking, while we're still in the room with the with um, Clementine and the daughter. Uh, she remin- Mackenzie reminisces about the ribbon game she used to play with oh, her yeah. aunt, okay. and there was yeah, a big red ribbon, and we have a flashback to her aunt chasing her as a kid as she's following this red ribbon in and out of rooms and around the Christmas tree and things like that. And um, I think it's the daughter asks, you know, where did where did the ribbon go? Because she's chasing the ribbon to get to the end of it, and she's like, oh, I don't really remember, but you know, it was about the journey and, you know, having fun while you have it sort of thing. So she has this nice memory. And then the daughter says, well, you know, can we play it now? And she just doesn't want to do it. And the daughter gets really sad. So Mackenzie's like, you know what? There's some snow outside that needs to be moved around. So they go all go outside and they build (laughs) the snowman outside, Um, which is like really nice, but they're also under this like time crunch to try to get the house in order. And so now they've taken out this whole period of a couple hours to build this crazy snowman. Um, but they're having so much fun and so much joy. And I actually think that might be what gets the ornament going. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the, there's this snowflake ornament. I don't know if we've already covered this, uh, that would spin and give off kind of a white sparkliness, but now when she came back to the house as an adult, it's just kind of dormant and she would remark like, Oh, this used to spin. Yeah. Uh, but once they go out and build snowmen, you can see it kind of starts spinning on its own. And it's, it's sort of like the, the photograph from back to the future where the, his siblings start to disappear (laughs) (laughs) and then like he gets things going again and pops back in. It's because the magic is being restored to the holiday and to the end. Yep. Um, so then I think Clementine reaches out to Santa for more help. Um, yes, but first, um, what's her face? Mackenzie has a conversation with someone, I forget who, again, about, like, why she's not going to be with Ian, and she's like, there's no room for Ian, like, she's talking about her life, and she's like, there's no room for Ian or a snowman. <laughs> I was like, okay. I didn't know it was like. How bad are you at commitment if you can't even. <laughs> you, you know he's going to melt in a few melt. days. It'll be fine. It's going to melt before your car lease is up. Don't worry. You don't even have to ghost him. You can just sit there and he will disappear. He will disappear. But yes, then the next thing is Clementine calls Santa. Yeah. Oh, I think. And I think part of it is like 
she was excited because the you know they were having all the magic with the snowman and then and then Mackenzie just kills it with that statement yeah, yeah. and all the like magic oh, yeah, and so she love must have dies said that to Clementine, right? Yeah. Okay. So Clementine <laughs> goes to call Santa for she help. Keeps having those deep conversations with this like fifteen year old. Yeah, and she doesn't know is an elf. It's totally weird. Yeah. Um, and so, so Santa's like, I can't really spare you any more elves to help because we're all like trying to make toys for Christmas in a couple days. But you know, there are others like you down there. And so then she goes and like finds all the <laughs> other elves. So like the cute boy with the muffin, who wasn't even that cute, Jimmy. With like the man bangs, Jimmy. Is his name actually <laughs> Jimmy? Jimmy. I didn't know he had I a name. I only know that because I wrote it down. <laughs> Wait, do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name is Jimmy. That's on Tory Lane. Man man bangs. I was gonna say man might be a little much. I think he's a boy, but we can debate that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, they you sort of learn that they stay up all night. All the elves like fixing a lot of the shit in the in to try to make it work. And so, um, so Lori kind of wakes up in the middle of the night and hears them, but goes back to sleep. And she's like, Oh, I heard all this stuff last night. And then everything that's been fixed, she just assumes that Dermot Mulroney magically fixed it all. And so there's things like, you know, Her reasoning skills are not. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps saying, I didn't fix it. And she doesn't question it of yeah. like, well then who the fuck yeah. did, so one of the things that that is gets fixed is the ice machine that was broken, and now the ice machine produces snowflake shaped <laughs> ice. Oh my god! <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I still didn't do it." And she's like, "Cool, that's not weird at all. It's totally normal for my ice machine to start working again and make snowflake shaped ice, and no one knows how." Everyone um, is so credulous in the face of magic happening. Yeah, yes. it's so true. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of get it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so somewhere in here, and let me know if I'm jumping ahead, um, somewhere in here she's talking to him about how her last good Christmas was at the inn. Mm-hmm. But, mm. like, she hasn't been to the inn since she was a child. Eight years old. And I was like, her <laughs> life is bleak. Like, she needs therapy to deal with how... So her father, like, basically wasn't didn't allow her to go see her aunt anymore because he decided her aunt was, like, a bad influence. I was like, she needs, like, therapy to deal with her father, like, ruining her life and taking all the joy out of it. She hasn't <laughs> experienced any joy since she was eight years old. Correct. And we, as we learn more and more about her, I'm like, this is, like, this movie is, like, kind of just about, like, this sad woman <laughs> whose life was ruined through childhood trauma. <laughs> and now she moves to the, she, like, stops in on this town and the to- whole town is, like, trying to, like, convince her to date some dude that she's trying to blow off. Yeah. That's rough. It's about this, like, chronic abuse of this woman. Yeah. (laughs) First her mom abandons her. Yes! Then her dad forces her to stop seeing her aunt. Who's, like, her, like, basically, like, surrogate mother figure. Yes. Oh. And then gaslights her into thinking she's, like, she must have imagined all the magic that she saw. Uh Uh-huh. Even though we are quickly learning that the magic was real. I mean, we um, learned that in the opening scene yeah. in Venice, North Pole. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that was broken was the elevator. Oh. And so as we're <laughs> going through the testing. The elevator that fits barely two people. Yeah. Which, oh, ooh, but wait, before it's, that, it's sorry. It's more like a dumbwaiter. One more thing. She, this is actually very important to, like, how Nicole and I have talked about this genre of film. Mm. Um, so she has that. She has to have the obligatory conversation with him about how 
She was like, you know, your skills could earn you a lot of money in the city. <laughs> yes. And then we find out that Dermot Mulroney used to live in the city, um, <laughs> but it wasn't for him. And so this there. is how we learn that he has value in a capitalist society, mm. which is very important for, like, validating these men who have, like, you know, like, blue these, collar. like, blue-collar handyman jobs in small towns we need to learn that they could have these flashy, high-powered jobs in the city, but they're they just too good to. people to mm. be in the city. Yeah. Very, very They're strange. just too Christmassy and, you know, not businessy. But, like, but it's good to not be businessy in this world. Correct. Sorry. Continues. No, that was like, very important. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that had been broken was the elevator. And as she's going around, like, assuming that... Dermot Moroni fixed everything. She tests the elevator and it works. And they get into the elevator and really it's like super tight quarters for just the two of them. As Jordan just said, it's more like a dumbwaiter than an actual mm. elevator. <laughs> and the doors close and Christmas music comes on the speakers somehow. <laughs> and she's like in awe of Dermot Mulroney and this and he's like, still not me. <laughs> and so then the second they get on the elevator, I know this is going to happen. Wilson and Clementine decide in the basement to stop the elevator and have like They're this like, magic. They need moment. a little time. And I swear Let's to God, if any bitch ever does this to me, I will hunt <laughs> you down afterwards and torture you because I, the last thing I want in an elevator is for the elevator to stop. Like, yes. no, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. And they always, in these movies, they always try to turn it into this romantic moment. And I would be freaking the fuck out. This thing yep. has been broken for 20 years it magically got fixed and now it just stopped like why do you think it's going to start working again why do you think it's not going to just plumb into the ground and kill us all and instead they're just having this really like intense conversation about their relationship yeah like we're (laughs) they're supposed to be not just we like they're supposed to be focused on the like chemistry between them and not the fact of like i might have to pee in 20 minutes and i'll i could still be stuck here for like another three hours yeah. it's just not believable stop trying to make that a thing in these movies yeah it's not romantic yeah and again no matter what aerosmith said yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so basically like they're in the elevator and he wants to make out and she's talking about how she's on a path yeah, and that was weird phrasing yeah it's <laughs> like very new agey of her it was it was weird. I'm on a path. I wrote down things are business, and I don't know. <laughs> things were very business for her. Though. I, I get it. That was definitely where she was. Things they, were very business for her. Yeah. So they ultimately have this like serious dating convo, which just covered a lot of ground that I just wouldn't cover with someone that I haven't actually been dating. Like they just oh. met like yesterday. Yeah. They haven't made out. They haven't, you know. They haven't even held hands. And they have this very emotional conversation. And basically, it doesn't end well. And by the time they get off the elevator, they are, like, kind of huff off in different directions. And and basically, Wilson and uh, Clementine totally blew it. Um, so then I think Clementine and Lori go for a walk. Oh, yeah. Now, just mm-hmm. to just pause for a second. Uh when around here does Clementine go, like, visit Randy for a moment? With her? Like, she goes back to the sleigh. That's about that's about, that's about to, happen, to happen, right? So I was going to say one thing that, um, did you say that, she, sorry if I missed this, did you say that she ends, she tells Dermot Mulroney that she ends all of her relationships by moving? Oh, yeah. No. So that's how she, like, 
so it's weird because they set it up as like she's this tragic person, but actually she's just like leaving tragic tragedy and heartbroken dudes in her wake every time she like moves to a new city. Apparently, but do you blame her after her childhood? Yeah, not really. I, I don't would, understand I would why she wouldn't want to be in a relationship. It makes sense. Yeah. Um. So then the next thing I have is that Clementine takes her to see Randy. Yeah. And we get a nice uh, closed caption here uh, where it said Randy snorting. Yep. (laughs) Not reindeer snorting. Yeah. Interesting how Randy gets a name. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm learning a lot about this movie's (laughs) priorities and who it deems worthy of. Uh, is it the movie or the closed captioner though? Like oh, I don't man. know where the it's I don't know where the responsibility super racist lies. <laughs> <laughs> Not racist against reindeer, only racist against black women. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so they they go to see Randy, which he's been kind of hidden in this barn, and essentially. Clementine ignores the fact that she was not supposed to reveal anything to this woman. Uh, and apparently <laughs> there's no repercussions for that. Everything actually turns out fine. And she goes to sit in this one person, I guess two person sleigh that, that Randy's at and sort of insinuates that Lori's been here before. And she, she has done this all before and so she goes and sits down next to uh, next to Clementine, and they like predictably the sleigh takes off and they fly. And at that point, I would be losing my fucking shit. Yep. Yeah. And instead, Mackenzie's just like, "Whoa!" But I guess she now knows. It's like probably validating for her. She's like, "Oh, I wasn't crazy when I was a kid, and I." did this. Right. And my father told me it didn't really happen. Right. I, I would still expect a little bit of a freak out. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. Like, everything I knew is now wrong. Yep. Um, so they don't just go for a ride, they actually go to the North Pole uh-huh. and walk around, and it's it all comes back to her. She had done it before as a kid, and you know, again, not a dream, and I'm not crazy. Um, and she actually meets Santa. I believe he told her that her aunt chose her. Yes. Yes, he did. Didn't, uh, ask her if that was okay or anything. Just, yeah, no she had no choice. about this woman or yeah. her agency. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm going to put you on a life path and you are going to do this forever yep. now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's most parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> so they, oh, there was one thing, uh, when she was talking to Santa, he said, each innkeeper must find their own way. So is there like an inn at each one of these like ley line locations around the globe? And he just like, he has this cadre of innkeepers. Potentially. Like that's, that's what I'm seeing like. from. Yeah. Shades of the Shining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he wasn't super clear about these places of power that light up this, you know, make the sleigh work, but. You've always been their caretaker. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So then I think we're at breakfast the next morning and Mackenzie comes down in her new Christmas sweater and she's obnoxiously happy. I wanted to hit her over the head with a frying pan. Yep. Way too Christmassy. And and I get it. Like you just saw Santa in the North Pole. So I probably err on the side of Christmas as well. But it's just like laying it on real thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does announce that she's gonna. She's decided to keep the inn. 
And they're going to do a grand reopening party on Christmas Eve, which is in like three days or something. Yeah. We'll say this kind of has a a thing in common with uh, the Christmas story when, you know, after the third night, suddenly he's like, oh, I'm Mr. Christmas. I'm going to, you know, buy this family a fat goose. I'm going to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like like a switch. You see ghosts or the real Santa and you're changed. Yep. You're there. Yep. Yep. Totally. Um, You go from the... <laughs> the low quadrant. Christmas high business quadrant <laughs> to the high Christmas low business quadrant. Um, the next thing I have is the walkie talkie. I don't know if you guys have um, yes. And all I wrote down was walkie talkie. I don't even remember the context, but it's like suddenly Clementine talking the... good deeds. Oh, that's right. But why was that the first time she had started doing that in the movie? I feel yes. like it was out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And yeah, it like, had like a profile like of her reporting on the them screen. On, yeah, yeah, and she's like reporting them like on the walkie-talkie. Yeah, she's basically talking. Clementine is reporting the good deeds that Dermot's daughter has done throughout, like, you know, so around we, the house. Like, what are they grooming her to be one of these innkeepers? Like, leave this. Well, child definitely. Alone. By the end of the movie, they insinuate that she'll be the next it's one. So gross. It's like, really just, weird. Let this girl like be a doctor or whatever. Like, you can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and and we go back to the ornament that. Jordan referenced as the Back to the Future photo. Um, it's what you check in to make sure things going well or not. Yeah. And the ornament is spinning. And they have this shot of the whole mantle that it's on. And behind it is this enormous <laughs> portrait of Aunt Grace. And it's terrifying. And we actually, I rewound it so we could watch it again because I was the only one that saw it. I was like, oh, this portrait is out of control. <laughs> oh my God, it was it's awful. so large and just kind of scary. Yeah, it was terrifying. Like, there, the woman is going to come out of that portrait at some point, Ghostbuster style, and like, murder us all. Yeah. Um, or maybe the, as long as Mackenzie stays here, she'll never age. But oh. her aunt's painting will. This could go a couple different ways. I explain why the painting looks kind of whack. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, kind of just like a slightly contorted version of her face. Mm. Yeah. And then I don't remember what was happening, but at some point the daughter tells Mackenzie to her face, you'd make a very good mother. Oh, God, yeah. Like... I just think it's weird that this child is like, can you be my mommy? Yeah, it's actually really sad. (laughs) (laughs) You just got really sad and I felt it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good news for Mackenzie. I think right around here she uh, gets a lucrative job offer. Oh, yeah. Right on schedule. Taylor. But I think first they were... Putting up flyers on the street oh, for yeah. the party, right? Oh, and that yeah, guy she had was just like, put up flyers. never missed it, but he never like looked at the flyer. Yeah, he just <laughs> magically knew that it was a flyer for yeah. the party. Um, so Taylor, the aforementioned black woman who chuckles, <laughs> calls uh, uh, calls Mackenzie with a job offer for London, so she can go run the auction house in or appraisal house. I don't really know which it is in London. This made me so annoyed because this happens so frequently in these movies where, like, all of a sudden you need to, like, just, like, drop your entire life and be on a plane before the holidays. Yeah, in, like, two days. Like, in what universe? Literally flying on Christmas. 
Yeah, it makes no it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, there's no business that would even be done there till after the New Year. Right. I was so, gonna say, it's, yeah, yeah. I that feel like they a do a point. better job of closing for holidays than we do. Like, <laughs> it's really, yeah, unrealistic. Yeah, unlike the rest of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and in this moment, Mackenzie is like, "No, I've decided I'm going to stay and and run the inn." Um, and and basically, like, says, basically says no to the job. Yeah. Um, maybe not explicitly, but kind of hangs up without accepting the job or even really wavering too mm-hmm. much. And um, overnight, oh, yeah. So this night also, it had been snowing a lot when they were having dinner. And so she insisted that Dermot and his daughter stay mm-hmm. overnight. So they're there in the morning. So she's up in the morning in the ballroom where they've been trying to fix stuff up. And he comes down and he's like fixed the lights and he's fixed the music. Mm -hmm. And so they're standing next to a Christmas tree and he turns it all on and they start dancing and it was really romantic and really sweet. Um, And then all of a sudden the power goes out (laughs) and it's like, Oh, you know, must've flipped the breakers or something. And like all the magic gets killed in this moment. He goes into the basement and the breakers are like smoking, which I don't think is actually how that works at all. Like it was so weird. And, and basically like they decide they have to, um, cancel the grand reopening cause they'll never have everything done in time. And it's like, everything's terrible. Yeah, he gave a time quote, like to fix all of this, it'll be like a week or two or something. Yeah. Right. Right. Also, he sees she has written the flight info to London on well, her hand. Not yet. Oh, not yet. So, sorry. Well, so, no. So basically, in that moment when he's downstairs dealing with the breakers, oh, yeah, Taylor right. calls again. Yeah. And all that's changed between then and now is that the power went out, and yeah. suddenly she's like tempted to take the At job. Least interested enough to write the information. Yeah. Taylor's like, I booked you hand. on this flight. And and so yeah, so she writes down the flight number and the gate number. On her hand, because apparently they have a gate number several days in advance. Yeah, ridiculous. Also, at the beginning of this movie, I don't think she would have written things on her hand. I Correct. feel like well, maybe this is how she's evolving. She's unraveled a little or something. She let loose a little, yeah. yeah. But it, but it's, it was so crazy to me that like she said no very, you know, the night before, and then literally nothing happened except the power went out, and she's like, okay, maybe now we'll see. I she mean, needs everything to be perfect or it's trash. For all she knows, like, he could come back up and be like, okay, I fixed it. Like, yeah. the lights are back on. So I didn't think that was the reason why. So I just didn't understand what really changed. It kind of didn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. Um, and so basically she's, she changes her mind and she's going to sell the in. And he sees the flight number on her hand and freaks out. And, and basically everything's terrible. How dare you take information about something (laughs) that's cheating (laughs) on someone you haven't even kissed yet or held hands with yet. Yeah. They have danced. So I I guess that's like a little hand holding there. Almost kissing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she actually sells the in at this point. Yeah. She gets the the paperwork, like the lawyer or whatever, the realtor Mm -hmm. brings the paperwork. She signs it. Doesn't really read anything. No, no, she really doesn't. No. Um, That's like how ready she is to get rid of it, I guess. Yeah. So Clementine is upset 
I think that's where she gets maybe a pep talk from Wilson that your mission's never really over until you think it's over. So she realizes like she can still save the day, even though the, the inn has been sold. Is this where she says snow MG? Snow MG. I don't remember the context <laughs> of snow MG, it could be. but it's written here. So let's say it's yeah. somewhere in there. Sure. So she goes to the North Pole and just gets like a ton of supplies, including some ribbon. And she <laughs> comes back down. And I think Mackenzie's saying goodbye to everyone, maybe. And yes. and Clementine comes in and gives her the ribbon. So they decide before she leaves, oh. they're going to play the ribbon game. Hmm. So she lays out the ribbon and she's suddenly chasing Dermot's daughter the same way that her aunt chased her all around following the ribbon. And if you remember earlier, she didn't remember where it ended and it wasn't really that important. But actually, they it, the ribbon stops at this wall that's painted with uh, blue with white snowflakes on it. And she says, you know, you've got to stop and look at the snowflakes every once in a while. They're not all the same. They're not the same. Can you find the one that's not the same? So she, the one that's very obviously different than the rest is right in front of the little girl's face and she touches it and the wall disappears <laughs> and suddenly there's this like 20 story slide through space. And <laughs> I'm just sorry, but like, I don't, I know we've suspended disbelief from the moment this movie started, <laughs> but this was like too much for me. And also that slide looked really scary. It looked extremely dangerous. And if it was I were like the a daughter slide that someone would fall off of and then like Disney world would get sued. If I were eight years old and a wall went like just disappeared, yeah, and there was a slide. Get on slide. No, yeah, this no. is some Willy Wonka shit. Yes, yeah. it was. Like, it, what it actually hallucinogenic like drugs that. are they taking? I, I would be like, what was in those cookies, lady? Yep. Come on. And so they she go they go down the slide together. Somehow have a great time and don't freak out. <laughs> and then at the bottom of the slide, they kind of come back through another wall, and like Wilson and Clementine and Betty are all like waiting there yep. for them, and, like having this moment about how great that all is i don't really know this was little really kid weird. is zero percent shocked by any of this magic oh i also wrote portal to hell about this <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. totally what it felt like, like to yeah. me yeah <laughs> um so this kind of rejuvenates her and she realizes she doesn't want to sell it after all and she wants to be here and she realizes that everything that's here is what's important to her she kisses Dermot Mulroney, Finally, even though it's not the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. So that was a little forward of, of this movie. And then she wants to break out of the contract uh, or the, the sale, I guess. Um, and so they yeah, still, she said, well, you just break a contract. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like that just happens yeah. all the time. So they, they also then in this moment decide that they're going to throw the party anyway even without electricity yep. or heat or anything, because back in the day, like <laughs> when the hotel was, the inn was created in 18, whatever, that was how it was then. So it should be fine now. And I was like, that was how it was then. And people came sure. But that's because nowhere had electricity. <laughs> Categorically. That's how it was then. Like <laughs> expectations have changed slightly. Yeah. Like if I showed up at a party and there was no heat and, I mean, they didn't have a live band or anything, so where was the music? You show up at a party at a party without Wi-Fi, and you're annoyed. And like yeah. <laughs> fifteen when this movie was made, so true. Um, so they they get all set for the party, and they're just focused on throwing the fun party. And Clementine has this like magic dust light that they throw into the air, and it somehow lights everything up and makes it seem like normal light. 
I don't know. It was weird. And it was it was very magical. And I think, Jordan, you pointed out this was the first time that Dermot Mulroney has seen anything mm. magical and like, is, like, no reaction. not, like, not <laughs> bewildered at all by it. He's just totally chill. And same with his boring-ass brother. Oh, was he in there? That, oh, yeah, yeah he was. the brother came and helped, too. I only know that because I wrote, total narc brother used to work with Ian, <laughs> so that's how we know that he's, like, actually secretly cool, even though he's now a horrible realtor. Right, because he used to be a handyman until yep. he got his real estate license, yeah. So he, yeah, he helped fix up the house, and so he's there, um, you know, as the party's getting started, and he gets the new buyer, the new owner on the phone, and I guess, like, the closing <laughs> happened that day, too, which also, that didn't make yeah, any sense. It would either. never happen. Like, within 24 hours, the, the yeah. property closes. So the guy calls. <laughs> I'm just making a really annoyed face. <laughs> so he, so he gets the guy, the new owner on the phone. And basically tells Mackenzie, like, look, you can try to talk to him, but he's super pissed about this. So she walks (laughs) kind of away from everyone to take the call. And the guy is like, well, you know, what, what do you mean you want to back out? And she's like, she basically like tells him all of her personal business to this stranger that she's never spoken to before (laughs) in her life. And she's like talking about falling in love and talking about like all of her personal issues and how she wants to commit to this place. And he's like, Oh, so you're committing to the, to the inn?" (laughs) And she's like, she's like, yeah, I mean, I want to. And he, he's like, okay, well that's all I needed to know. (laughs) And then then, surprise, you hear Santa slay. It was pretty obvious, I think, if you were watching it, or at least I thought it was obvious that it was going to be Santa. Yep. Um, you hear Santa slay, so she runs outside, and it was Santa all along who, like, fake bought the place because he just wanted to know that she would commit to it. And basically, that I mean, that's about it. And Clementine runs out, and she's like, I always believed that you would do it. And Santa calls Clementine a rising star, and she's like, oh, I like the sound of that. And, like, <laughs> the the amount of excitement that Bailey Madison musters to be Clementine. I'm really impressed with her in this movie. It is <laughs> I thought she was incredible. I thought, like, she just, she, was she so, sold it. She was genuinely excited about everything yeah. in a way where I would, you would see in my face somewhere that in yes. my mind I'm rolling my eyes at this. You would not be smizing. Yeah. <laughs> but you like she totally she had so much enthusiasm for being a rising star. It was like the biggest promotion Santa could ever give you. Um and then the like the whole house lights up again because the magic has been restored or some yeah. shit and like it makes everything suddenly work again. So like apparently they didn't need to spend any time fixing it. She just needed to like want to stay there for yeah. things to work again. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, <laughs> the Ian end. Put in, <laughs> yeah. Ian put in a lot of repair time for them to just come and I know. whitewash it all with magic. magic. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Also like, it seems like all of the magic in this world goes into home improvement. Like, yes. Can't you, you know, feed homeless people or something? Great point. Wow. Great yeah. Point. Deep. Yeah. Christmas <laughs> should probably not just be about home repair. <laughs> Maybe they should have just, like, become a 5013C3 and, like, turned the empty inn with no guests into a homeless shelter. Oh. oh. I like it. They could have magicked up some grant money for that. I think we have your next screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so 
the end tableau, Dermot Moroni comes out and they kiss again and the house is lighting up and that really is the end of the movie. Anything else I missed? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. Oh, there was uh, one oh. point where Clementine snickered. Oh, this, okay. I'm subtitles. glad that other people are allowed to snicker, snort, yeah. etc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I wonder. I wonder if I would get a name. Probably. Probably. I think it's only the black woman you that didn't get woman. a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was terrible. You guys, Hallmark, you got to work on that next time. Um, I and, think I think Randy did a great job, and I bet he's going to get promoted to the majors uh, to run on Santa's sled next yeah. time. Yeah, that's going to change that Rudolph song. But tell me, t- like, yeah. how do you think that happens? Like, does a reindeer have to die for someone else to huh. take his place, or like, can, is, is it, it like Premier League and you get like kicked the down to the to the junior? <laughs> I don't know. Blitzen <laughs> is now the intern escort. <laughs> what did he do wrong? Oh man. So next time on Business Christmas, we're going to be watching A Bride for Christmas. Here's the description. Aiden, Andrew Walker, bets his friends that he can convince a young woman to marry him by Christmas. And he sets his sights on Jesse, Ariel Kebel, a young woman who has sworn off serious relationships. Uh, so neither of us have seen this before. I'm pretty excited about it. I am too. like a Christmas version of... Uh, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It does. And I hope that it delivers on that. Same. Um, so, Jordan, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having so me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time with A Bride for Christmas. <laughs>